Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchus Shabbos, Shabbat, Perik Shisha Ve'esrim, Chapter 26, continuing in the laws of Muktza, those items that may not be moved on Shabbos because of a list of reasons enumerated in the earlier chapter, chapter 25. <clears throat> Continuing, one, Aleph. All utensils which are used for weaving, including the cords and the reeds of the weaving mechanism, they may be moved and carried. What does it mean? Why may they be moved and carried? As we learned in the last chapter, because they fall into the category of like any other vessel, utensil, whose use is primarily for our forbidden task. Therefore, you're not allowed to use the item for its forbidden task, but you are allowed to move the item if you need its place, or you're allowed to use the item for a permissible use. Chutz, with regard to the weaving mechanism, the exception would be the upper weaver's beam and the lower weaver's beam, they may not be touched. Because they should not be carried because they are fixed. And they're fixed within the setting, and therefore they're permanent. Similarly speaking, the pillars of the loom may not be moved. Also, the Tautalam. Why? Because the pillars are set in the ground. We're concerned that someone will be tempted to fill the hole in the earth that was created by their removal. And that pre- presents and creates a whole new problem of e- making the ground smooth and even, which is an outgrowth of plowing, we learned earlier. However, the rest of the utensils, or the rest of the parts of that utensil of the weaver, are permitted to be used, with the exception of these parts. When we say used, not used, but moved, Moved either for their place or for a permissible use, not its primary use, as we learned earlier. Based to they used to have brooms that were made of date branches and similar which are used to sweep the ground. That's considered a vessel. A utensil which is permissible to use because its usage is a permissible usage. You're allowed to sweep under certain circumstances, we learned earlier. Because sweeping is permitted on Shabbos. If, it's, if the floor is solid, paved, a dirt floor is a problem. 
because that goes back to the plowing thing. But you're allowed to sweep on Shabbos. Also, we learned that we should not use bristles that will break off. We should use bristles that, will, that will, are more flexible and that will not break. Another halacha, levenim shenishro minabinyin. He translates it here as bricks. To me, it appears to be like more like cinder blocks that remain after a building was completed. So they are the extra bricks or the extra cinder blocks. This would be considered a utensil which is of permissible definition. What's permissible about bricks or cinder blocks? Nothing. The answer is, because you can also sit on them or recline on them. And that's why they can be used as a primary function for a permissible usage. Because they are filled and adjusted for this purpose. People commonly create a bench-like setting out of bricks or cinder blocks. However, if he piles them and collects them for building, then obviously it's forbidden to touch them or carry them because they've been designated for building and they're not going to be used for a, uh, a bus bench or, or, or whatever. Not that they had buses back then. But if they had buses, that could have been a bus bench. Gimel, cheresk a small shard, a small piece of earthenware, Mutter letaltalah, it may be moved, even, he says here, in a public domain, little by little, being that it has a usage. What's the usage of a small shard of earthenware? You, can't, you cover a small utensil. It becomes the covering of a small utensil. When the stopper of a barrel was cut off, he that and the broken pieces of the stopper may be carried, may be touched, may be moved. Like a cork or something. But if you threw it in the garbage before Shabbos, he took the stopper out of the barrel and trashed it. Also, the Tautula, now, it may not be moved. Why? Because by throwing it in the garbage, you've demonstrated that you don't intend to use it. The fact that you change your mind now, we go to the law we learned yesterday about hachona, in the earlier chapter, about hachona, about mindset, what your mindset is before it's getting dark on Friday afternoon. Obviously, your mindset for this is it's trash. Klish and when a utensil has been broken but not shattered into pieces, one should not remove a shard from it to use it to cover another utensil or as a support. Dalid. Now we come to a whole category of laws which for us in our culture is extremely uncomfortable because we live in a relatively speaking forward society and we have the, the Charmin company and the Kleenex company and uh, the magical miracle called toilet paper, but once upon a time they didn't have that. And that's what these halachas apply to, so I ask everybody to approach this in the perspective of the times for which it was written. 
A person can bring into the lavatory three rounded stones. That's what people used in certain cultures, stones, in order to, for sanitation, in order to clean themselves. The meaning of rounded is not dangerous. Now, what's the issue? This is not uh, ethics of lavatory use. This is Shabbos. The problem is a stone is muktzi. You're not allowed to touch a stone on Shabbos. But here, the stones have a use. The stones are in place of our toilet paper. So therefore, it doesn't mean that across the board you can move stones on Shabbos. You can't. But these rounded stones, a fistful of them, may be moved because they have a definite purpose. How much? A fistful. A handful. A clot of earth which is likely to crumble, which is not the most practical item to use for that purpose. You're not allowed to use it because it's not practical. It's also permissible to take stones up to the roof when some people would use the roof as a lavatory. What if it rained outside? The roof is exposed. What if it rained and they got muddy? If the mud is recognizable, I think it means if the stones are recognizable. They sunk into the mud, and if you can still see the stones sticking out a little bit, then you can still take them, because you need it. A stone that has filth on it, that means that's what it's used for. It's certainly used for that purpose. It may be moved, even a larger one, because that's what it's used for. Again, we're coming from a perspective of Shabbat laws. And if a person has a choice of using a stone or an earthenware shard to clean himself from the perspective of Shabbos, he should use the stone. Why should he use the stone? Because a shard is sharp and it might tear one's membranes. And therefore the halacha says, even though the stone is more muktzah, use it because it's healthier. However, if the shard comes from the handle of a utensil which is smooth, then one may use the shard and it's preferable over the stone because it's less muktzah than the stone. Again, because in this case, the shard is smooth and will not tear one's membranes. What if he has a choice to use a stone or a collection of grass? Not the kind you smoke. If the grass is soft, he could use it. But if the grass is brittle, then it's dangerous. Then then the stone is preferable, even though, again, a stone is severely muktza, but it has a use here. Six, what if you have mats that have tattered, and you have the remnants, the leftover pieces of mats. What's the usage of these leftover tattered pieces of mat? They are considered vessels 
which can be used for permitted for permitted purpose. Why? Because they have a perfect use to cover filth. If if there's uh, excrement or any other filth, you put the mats over that, and it's perfect. So that's a natural use, and therefore it's permitted as long as one did not put that possibility out of his mind before Shabbos and discarded them. Remnants of clothes, tattered remnants of clothes, which don't have three by three. And this goes to the Mishnah, to the Halacha in the book of Hilchas Kalim, the laws of vessels and accepting ritual impurity. So he talks about a cloth. Can a cloth accept, become ritually impure? In order for something to become ritually impure, it has to be a vessel. It has to be a utensil. It has to be something of importance. So it says there that the size minimum for a piece of cloth, what is considered major, three handbreadths by three handbreadths, like ten inches by ten inches. That's for the rich people. But for poor people, even three thumb breadths by three thumb breadths, which is like 0.79, I think, of an inch. So it's two and a half inches by two and a half inches. That's considered like a small washcloth. That's considered good enough for a usable remnant for poor people. For rich people, you need 10 by 10. For a poor person, even two and a half by two and a half. Therefore, he says here, tattered garments which have just fallen apart. In this piece, it does not even have, it doesn't even have three by three thumb breaths. Also, the Talmud, they are forbidden to be moved. Going back to the language in Kalim, because this is not fit, not for the rich, who need three hand breaths by three hand breaths, not even for the poor, who will settle for three thumb breaths by three thumb breaths. This is smaller than that. Broken pieces of an oven. You have an oven and it broke. The question is, can you, talk, can you carry the pieces? Can you move the pieces? They may be moved. They're like any other vessel, which can be used for permissible usage. However, when one leg of a range slipped from its place, also the tautle may not be moved, lest one is tempted to affix it in its place, to repair it. Seven sulam also the tautle, a ladder leading to a loft, should not be moved on Shabbos. Because a ladder leading to a loft is usually set there permanently and it's not moved around. So it's more part of the house than a utensil. And of a dove coat or bird's nest, it may be leaned. But don't take it from nest to nest. Because that's what's done in the weekdays. And he'll trap the doves. Trapping is a major violation of Shabbos. 
a rod that's used to harvest olives. Yes, im yes, all of Tadis if it's considered a utensil, then it's a forbidden utensil, and it has to be treated according to the laws of a forbidden utensil. Of a forbidden utensil. Kona, she's skinny balabayas lis peser A reed which was adjusted by the homeowner to open and lock his door with im yesh tedes kliolav if it's considered a utensil then it's a permissible use utensil ches deles shahaya lotzir a door which once had a hinge it doesn't have a hinge now which was prepared to shut down to close a designated place that's not touchable and it's Drags on the ground. You take it, you drag it on the ground, and you close the spot, even though it doesn't have a hinge today. Or a partition made from brambles, or a mat that drags on the floor. When they're tied and connected to the wall, you can close up the area and shut it. If not, you can't. But if they were above the ground, then you make. A door that's made from a single piece of wood, which is placed in the doorway and you close with it. If it did not have at the bottom, like a base that resembles a doorstop, which shows that it's fit for closing a nail and bar. If it doesn't have that doorstop, you should not use it to close. But if it does, nail and bar, you can use it to close. A bolt that has a bulb at its end, which indicates that this has a bulb which becomes a usable bolt because it sticks out. It's not just a beam, you can use it to bolt the door on Shabbos. What if a bolt does not have a bulb at its end, so it's not really a bolt, it's just a piece of wood. If it's bound and connected to the door, you can use it if it's connected. Or if you can take it off. And it has a rope attached to it. It shows it's part of the door. But if the rope, if it's attached to the door, it slips off like a beam. And instead of being attached, when you take it off, it sits in a corner. And then you take it and put it back on the door. But it's not permanently part of the door, like connected with a rope. It's forbidden to use it to close. It doesn't have the name of a utensil, quote-unquote. It's not connected. There's no rope hanging from it to prove it. Eleven, a candelabrum. That's you. That's made of parts, different parts, whether smaller or larger, should not be moved. lest you'll reconstruct it on Shabbos, which is construction-like. What if it has grooves and appears to resemble something that's made of several parts? In my Sigdel, if it was large, and he tells for which needs two hands, also the Talat of Nekovda, then it shouldn't be moved because it's heavy. 
But if it was smaller, it may be moved. When a shoe is on a shoemaker's block, like a shoemaker has like a stand where he puts the shoe on. If a shoe is on that shoemaker's block, it may be removed on Shabbos. A clothes press belonging to a lay person and the clothing is sitting on the clothing press, it may be removed, but it should not be put there because then you're setting something to press. But if it's a professional press, you shouldn't even touch it. Because we learned earlier that if a laborer, if a craftsman has a tool that he's worried about it being broken by a non-craftsman, that's not touchable because of the value connected to it. So also, unprocessed rolls of wool, a metal may not be moved, because he's concerned about not ruining them. The figure there from Yichton Latashmish Mutorim. If they have been designated for a particular purpose, then you may use them. Unprocessed hides, no matter who they belong to, they may be moved. Whether they belong to a lay person or a craftsman, because they're tough and people are not worried about them. Any filth, like feces or vomit or excrement or anything like that. And it is present in a courtyard, which is used for dwelling, so it's disgusting. This may be taken out to the garbage dump or to the lavatory. This is called a chamber pot. But if they were in another courtyard where people are not living and people just happen to be there in a minute, at this minute, then you put a vessel and cover it in order that a child not get sullied and dirtied. Spit that's on the ground. A person may step on it as he walks to make sure that nobody gets dirtied with it. One can carry a warming pan because of its ash. Even though it has broken chips of wood. Because it's considered as a repugnant thing like a chamber pot. Even though we may not create one on Shabbos. But if it happened on its own. Where he made it. You can remove it. Oil flowing from beneath the beam of an olive press on Shabbos. So also, dates or almonds that are prepared and designated for merchandise. Now the question is, can you use this oil, or you decided you want to eat a few dates and they, you have ownership over them? Or you want to eat a few almonds, even though they're designated for merchandise. So the question is, is this designation enough to say you can't touch them on Shabbos? So here's an important rule. It may be eaten on Shabbos. Even grain from a storehouse or from a grain pile. You can use it on Shabbos. Why? Here's the rule. There is no food. That's untouchable on Shabbos. Food is always prepared for usage. Food is food. And here are some exceptions. When you're in the process of drying figs and raisins, 
and they're half dry. Because in the process, they become very unpalatable. If they're not edible, so they're not touchable. If a barrel of wine was sitting wide open, or if a watermelon was opened and left that way, then according to the halacha, one is concerned that a, a scorpion or some kind of reptile got involved and touched it, and it's not healthy. So it's not edible. Even though it's not edible, you can put it away in a secure place. Similarly speaking, an amulet that's not made by an expert, it's not proven itself as a working amulet, even though you can't carry it as we learned earlier, because it's not proven to work, you can still move it. The leftover oil in a candle or in a plate, she'd look away from Shabbos, which was kindled on that Shabbos. Also, the stop coming out Shabbos. You may not use it for that Shabbos. As we learned earlier, it's forbidden because it came out of a forbidden use that Shabbos. Taking produce from a storehouse of grain or barrels of wine from a Storehouse of wine, even though it's permissible to use, one should not begin to clean out a storehouse only for the purpose of a mitzvah, as we learned earlier. What's the example of why you would use a storehouse? You have guests who came to your house, you want to take the things out of the storehouse and have them use it as a bedroom. Or you have a group that came to your house, you want to sit in that storehouse, it's quiet and study. So you have to unload it. The Kate said, Mephan and I said, How would you unload it? Every one of the people there can take five, four or five boxes. Until they finish. It should not be swept, as explained earlier. But by walking, a pathway is formed <coughs> via the walking. But the sweeping would be too similar to the plowing. Any substance that's fit to be used as food for an animal, for a beast, or for a fowl, that is commonly found, not some unusual thing, but a common item. may be moved on Shabbos. For example, one can take dry turmas beans. Who eats dry turmas beans? Goats. But not fresh ones, because even goats don't eat that. Who eats chatzav? And chatzav is a shrub whose roots penetrate deeply into the ground. Deers eat chatzav. Eshachardo. Mustard. Mustard seed. Pigeons eat mustard seed. Eshachatzome is bones. Dogs eat bones. Give your dog a bone. Nick knack paddywhack. So also all shells and all seeds 
that are used for animal food, they can be moved. Bottom line, it's animal food, you can move it. But anything that's not fit for animal food, that part which can be eaten, can be eaten. And then he should throw them behind him, and then it's not touchable anymore. One can carry spoiled meat because it can be eaten by animals. Raw meat, whether salted or unsalted. Because a person can eat it. A salted fish could be moved. But unsalted, raw fish could not be moved because there are no people who eat raw, unsalted fish. That was before sushi. One may not eat broken pieces of glass even though they're edible by ostriches. An ostrich is known to eat glass and he brings down here in a note that the broken glass is not nourishing but the reason they eat it is because they have strong digestive organs. It's not torn by the glass, so they can eat it. And the glass assists them in the process of digestion. But it's not that that's sustenance for the ostrich. Please do not try that at home. Also, you may not move bundles of twigs from a vine, even though twigs can be eaten by elephants, because most people don't have elephants. Or loof. And loof here is a wild vegetable from the onion family. Even though they're food for ravens. Most people don't have ostriches, elephants, or ravens. Bundles of straw and bundles of wood, bundles of twigs, if they were prepared to be used as animal food, one can carry them. If not, one may not carry them. If one brought in bundles of wild hyssop, matter, hyssop, or thyme, they may not be moved. One may not use them on Shabbos because they were set aside for kindling. If he had in mind kindling, but if he had in mind to feed animals with them, then he may move. So it depends on what his intention was. Mint, rue, other herbs, the same thing. It depends what you had in mind to do with them. We cannot take food that was placed before an ox. This is a stuffed, an ox that you stuff. Whether fattened for slaughter of being fattened for slaughter. Whether it's placed in a separate utensil or in the feeding trough, and one may not shift the food to the side so it doesn't become mixed with the feces, lest he levels grooves, which is an outgrowth of plowing. 
<laughs> you can take food away from a donkey and place it before the ox. You can't take food from the ox and put it before the donkey because the ox drips saliva over it massively and the donkey will be disgusted and not eat from it. So also leaves that have a foul and repulsive odor. And even an animal won't eat them. Also the Taltum, it's forbidden to touch them because they have no use. The Vika. Tlai shall dog him also the Taltule. The hook on the fish which is hung is forbidden. But of meat, mutter is permissible. And similar. Even though it's forbidden to carry a corpse on Shabbos. You wait till after Shabbos. However, you can put oil on and you can wash it. But as long as you don't move the body parts. You may slip off the pillow from under the corpse so that it should lay on the ground. A corpse is supposed to be on the, on, on the ground. In order that it should hold up and, and not uh, become rotten. And they can also bring a utensil that will cool the corpse, or a metal utensil, and place it on the belly of the corpse so that it won't swell. You can plug the orifices so that air will not enter them. And tie the jaw so that it will close, not so that it will close, but so it will not open further. And we may not close the eyes of a corpse on Shabbos. That's what the Rambam brings down here. And he brings down in the notes that the Shulchan Aruch Harab and the Mishnah Brura, the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, the Mishnah Brura, brings down from the Zohar that it has become customary to close the eyes of a corpse on Shabbos and straighten its limbs. Uh, so differing with what it says here in the Rambam. 21, a corpse laying in the sun. You place a bread upon it, or you place a child upon it, making it permissible to move. You can now move it. If a fire broke out in the courtyard where there's a corpse, <clears throat> so you need to move the corpse because it's a tremendous mitzvah to bury somebody, not, God forbid, to burn it. Again, you use the trick of placing a loaf of bread or a child on the corpse. So now you're moving the child or the bread. You can move it. There's no bread, there's no child. You can save the corpse from the threat of a fire. Because otherwise we're concerned that he may extinguish the fire, which is not posing any threat to life. Only to this corpse. Because a person is very... Concerned that his, the corpse of his loved one not burn, that it be buried, and therefore we're concerned that he may extinguish the fire. Better he should carry the corpse. This permissibility of bread or child, that trick was only created for a corpse. And they show them ball because people get very upset when somebody close to them passes and they lose their control. What if? The corpse is lying in the sun. There's no place to carry it. Or they didn't want to move it. What can you do to get it out of the sun? 
you put two people, one on each side, the person's sitting there, and he says, hey, it's hot, I'm sitting in the sun. So he brings a bed to use as a shade. Then maybe the other guy says, I'm hot too. And they bring a cot to use as a shade. Then the guy says, you know, it's still hot from on top. So they put another cot over them. Then maybe he puts uh, some, some mats over him. The other one does. So before you know it, they have protection. Now that you have these mats, he takes his cot and he leaves. I'm sorry, he puts up his cot and then he leaves. The other guy puts up his cot. You now have a structure giving shade to the corpse because it all began by giving shade to the living people. So we have the protection because the mats are next to each other and the two ends are located on the ground on either side of the corpse. If a corpse has become decomposed in the house, so it's now being disgraced in the eyes of the living, you may take it out to a rabbinic domain. And here we learn, and with this the Rambam completes the laws of Muktza. Godel Kovet Habrius, the honor of God's creations are great. Because the honor that has to be afforded to God's creations is so great that it overrides a negative commandment in the Torah. What is the negative commandment in the Torah? The Torah says, do not turn away from anything the rabbis and sages will tell you, either to the right or to the left. And here the rabbis or sages decreed muktza laws, but here, here we're taking away the muktza law to honor the corpse. But if instead of feeling uncomfortable by the presence of the corpse, which is beginning to, be, to decompose. They can walk out, so you don't take out the corpse. You leave the corpse, and the people go out, and this is the end of chapter 26, and the end of the laws of Muktzah.